Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the podcast is Kian O'Kevon. He's been hosting Untev Duhal on Radio Nageltikta for 20 years this week, which is a kind of unbelievable achievement when you think about it to be able to stay on the Irish airwaves for two decades. Think of all of the names who have come and gone over the years. Donald Deneen is one name that Kean checks in the 45 or 50 minute interview that follows his show, Here Comes the Night, had just started on Today FM, which I don't think was even a national radio show at the time, back in 1997. It had been going two years before Kean started up on Tev Tuchel, and it's been a while since Donald Deneen has been on the airwaves so that just gives you an idea of how long Kian has been around and has been picking unbelievable new unheard tracks down through the years. I often think when you listen to ADT which is broadcast 10 to 12 Monday to Friday and kind of goes from ambient and folk and slow stuff through the week kind of picking up steam on Wednesday and then come Thursday and Friday there's techno there's dance there's stuff to get you up out of your seat you just need to listen with a pen and paper nearby maybe Shazam on your phone because even though Kian who obviously broadcasts in Irish you can miss the names of the tracks of the artists he puts up the playlists the next day always worth checking out it's my favorite show on uh, Irish on the Irish airwaves it's probably my favorite radio show full stop I think no matter what day you tune in no matter how often per week you tune in you're going to come away with pages of new acts new music that you want to check out so Kean this week is going to mark the milestone achievement of 20 years on the airwaves with not one not two but three special programs on Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday that's April 30th, May 1st, May 2nd, and there's also going to be a live event in the Roisin Dove in Galway on Friday, May 3rd. There's going to be a lot of previously unreleased music that artists have sent him, especially for the occasion. He reached out to a lot of artists, a lot of artists reached out to him, and plus, there are so many bands who just send him music anyway, every single day of the week, every week of the year. So I'm sure that if he thought that he was going to get slim pickings for maybe one show, I'm sure that he was uh, overwhelmed. And perhaps one of the most intriguing tracks that you're going to hear is going to come from The Jimmy Cake. It's their first ever vocal track, and it's sung in Irish. I asked Kean for a little feature that I did with him in The Irish Examiner last week to pick six tracks, and he did pick a 20-minute long Jimmy Cake song. So I think that the appreciation and the love is very much mutual between them. There is a previously unreleased track, uh, Trianton, by the Dublin duo Mount Alaska, who are really, really great, Stephen Shannon and Killian McDonnell. And they're also going to be playing the live show in the Roisin Dove on Friday with Ships and Animalarchy Ships, Choice Music Prize winners, previous guests on this podcast. It's been a while since there was an Untev Tuha live show, so that's going to be coming from the Galway venue on May 3rd. If you're around the city, tickets are a tenor and you should definitely, definitely go. Other music, other new music that you can expect to hear across the three radio shows ahead of that are from Arquette, Linda Buckley, Def Joe, Checkerboard, TR1, 
Elmo Orchestra, Joseph Shabasson, Peter Gordon, uh, Dylan Henner. And there's also going to be songs in Irish as well from the Jimmy Cake and another couple of acts as well. So you can listen to those shows on Radio Nogeltacta Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday uh, this week, 10 to 12. And then there's a slightly earlier time on Friday of 9pm broadcast. So... That's what you can expect from Kean. What you can expect from this interview is kind of as good an overview as we can get of someone who has been in the music world and doing so many different things for 20 years. Uh, we didn't touch on everything. I didn't ask him about uh, his wedding DJing and his infamous blacklist of songs, which you can check out on his Facebook page. I have actually had the privilege of seeing Kean DJ a wedding of a really, really good friend, and it was the most fun that you can imagine having with a wedding DJ. I also went to his club night, 110th Street, which he's been doing, which he celebrated 20 years of late last year. He does that with a guy called Cyril, and that's been going for 20 years. So they celebrated that in Galway relatively recently as well. I was at that. It was amazing. It's so great. Kean is like such a genuine music lover. It's all about the music for him. It's amazing that Ireland and Irish radio, for all of the stuff that gets thrown at it, all of the criticism that gets leveled at it, that Antev Tuchel is still here from 1999 to 2019. And it was a real privilege to get to chat to Kean uh, up in Dublin uh, relatively recently. We go through from his early life, his discovery of music from West Kerry, up to Galway and everything, well, as much as we can pack in, in between, from clubbing to the airwaves. So hope you enjoy uh, this interview. I'd love to get to talk to Kian again and cover everything that we didn't do. I feel that we could probably do another two or three hours of interviews and we probably still wouldn't cover everything that he's been involved in or what he's interested in over the years. So hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, can always like and review on iTunes. That would be really, really appreciated. And make sure to subscribe. Lots of really great uh, interviews coming over the next couple of weeks. And also, It Takes a Village takes place Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, May 10 to 12 in Trebulgan in East Cork. It's going to be the second year of the festival, and I'll be there for the second annual The Point of Everything live show on the Saturday. I think it's taking place at four o'clock on the Saturday. So if you want to come along and throw some rotten fruit or talk to me or whatever or listen or just wait and listen to the podcast a couple of weeks after that, then please do. Anyway, this is Kian O'Quavon and congratulations to Kian as well on 20 years of Untaped Duel. Make sure you listen to the show on Radio Nagelzikta all this week and all next week and the week after and the week after because there's just so much new music to come. Congratulations on 20 years of Untev Tuchel. Are you surprised that you made it to here, to 2019 and 20 years? I suppose I'm, 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 I'm thrilled, excited and absolutely flabbergasted because uh, obviously when I started off, I was only looking at it uh, as in the, in the moment. It was an idea I had when I approached the RNG uh, bosses and I had an idea to do an alternative music show on the station where under the rules of time I wasn't allowed to play any English lyrics um, and uh, I'm kind of answering your question and saying and accepting your praise and 
in a roundabout way but uh they 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 the, a couple of extra hours came up on the schedule because we used to share with classic fm or i can't even remember what it was called at the time and then they became lyric so lyric started the same day as on the hotel so when i i did my yeah when when, when i approached them i i actually have all the uh old papers at home because this is the kind of show i can do this is the music i can play i'd be able to play uh post-rock funk soul disco house techno Electronica, but and, and I can get away without doing it in English. So I was only thinking of the next couple of weeks, and what they and they they were going, yeah, it's going well. Let's let's keep it going, and we we'll give it three months. I think it was three months or something, and it's still there. That's the weird thing about it. Uh, and but back then too, I was also thinking longevity. I was uh, I look at interviews with myself uh, with myself that people put to me in. 99, 2000, 2001, and I was always looking long term down the road. That, you know, the, the, who are your influences? It was always people who were in it long term. I, I wasn't into being kind of flavor of the month or being around for a couple of weeks. I just this is what I, this is what I had to do. You you always wanted to be a radio DJ. Yeah, first of all, my dad worked in radio. He worked with radio in the so he was a news uh, broadcaster down in West Kerry, and so we spent a lot of our childhood around the stu- radio studios uh it was all obviously trad and that was the only music and uh, which i never really got into I, although i do like a lot of the old uh folk songs from kerry but so there was that i, I love the smell of the old analog studios uh that they're all digital now but there's a kind of peculiar kind of smell about them the whole world just kind of uh, I, I just liked being in those studios uh, the red light going on the instant kind of feeling and I think growing up then, it was just when I st- fell in love with music, which would have been ver- very young as well. I, I might get into that later on. And also, yeah, there was a movie called Pump Up the Volume with Christmas Later. I can't even remember really what it was about, it was about now, but I remember he was a radio DJ and it was quite a cool job. And he was able to play, I think, a lot of indie kind of tracks. Right. I think, I can't remember too well now. I remember thinking, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. And that was quite young. And then I remember spending a summer in France as well, actually, when I was a little bit older and hearing a station called Couleur Trois. And they used to play a lot of uh, kind of, I liked their daytime stuff. I liked their nighttime stuff, but I thought I can do that better. You know, I've got much better records, and much better tunes than that. So yeah, uh, the, and the, all the way through college, I was involved in radio. I was in the, in the very first meeting of radio, SOC, which became a station after that called uh, Flirt FM. So I was involved with that station as well. So radio has been in my kind of slipstream a long time. And and you were at Radio Nagelta before um, the show started as well, were you? Were you working like yeah, as a producer? I did, or? Like, no, what happened was I did a, did, yeah, I did a course in college. And I did a work placement with RNG for a month, and I qu- quite liked it. They didn't seem to mind me. <laughs> so I ended up doing, for a couple of years, just doing uh, continuity, weather, and a lot of kind of weird odd jobs for older lads uh, uh, who were getting well paid and almost retired and didn't want to do any work. So I just ended up writing the links and doing all the research for them. And the things get that zero credit, zero credit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have people working for you now for do, doing that stuff? You it kind of would be handy, yeah. Like someone like Andy Mac, Andy Mac, doesn't she have a team of people that uh, listen yeah, to all her stuff for different genres? So they come back to her every week and say, "Here's fifty good indie tracks. Here's fifty good house oh, tracks. Really? Here's fifty good hip hop tracks," and then she picks out of those. Wow. I don't know if I could actually uh, designate delegate <laughs> jobs to somebody like that. Yeah, I, I kind of have to do it myself, but it would be a help, I suppose. Yeah, you'd be thinking about all of the tracks that got cut or like didn't make the cut. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 
Um, so, so like, how did the show develop? Like, I mean, obviously, they kind of loosened up energy a little bit in terms of like, uh, you don't have to just play stuff with Irish lyrics or something in it. Like, you were able to play stuff with English lyrics in it. Yeah, and, and I mean, what happened was the, the, when it started first, it was on seven nights a week. So I was on four nights and Ronan Mokevi oh, was okay. on three nights. Oh, I did. Oh, I thought that it was just your baby from the very start. No, there was oh, a few. And, okay. and even after Ronan finished up, there was a, there was Kahlo Kuig was involved for a while. Uh, he's now, after making a really good movie, which has debuted at the Dingle Film Festival recently. Uh, who else? Ben O'Fallon, who was a friend of mine growing up in West Curry, who is one of the most passionate and interesting and absolutely crazy about music kind of guys he's he, he was on the show for a couple of years and uh, there were there were other guys as well there were the old on brothers there was uh the mccormick girls from cork used to fill in sometimes it was uh, was it kira and emer i'm trying to remember everyone's names now i see 20 years it's a <laughs> bit of a fog and i think uh, roughly there came a day where they decided to cut it down to five days and they asked me would i just do five days on the show and around about i think the same time they decided that after a particular point at night, a watershed, I think it was nine o'clock, that it would become a Nocht FM, uh, a station within a station, which I think was just a way of allowing the later shows late at night within that inner station to broadcast in songs in English, not in English, but oh, okay, songs right. in English. So that happened in 2005. So there was six years before that happened where I had one hand behind my back. <laughs> right. And so after that, like you've just had complete free reign. Like well, no. I mean, I had free reign, but without with with that one stipulation, yeah. But I was still a lot freer than people who had to follow playlists. Mm. And like, no one is telling you a song to play, or you nobody know, nobody ever told me I had to play a song. Yeah, the, the only times I remember being told was uh, roughly yeah, two thousand five, when the rule change. I've said I was asked to kind of slowly introduce the English songs rather than straight away. But I was suddenly going, you know, listening to tracks at the weekends, going, I can't wait to play these after the week, you know, as opposed to I can't play them on the show, you know. So what, what, what was it? What was the music that you were playing in the first few years? Was it a lot of Irish music or was it just um, uh, dance music without any lyrics or? No, there was all kinds. I'd love, I love. I do have some of the old playlists at home. Uh, like I remember the very first record that it came out the same week in Tale of Two started was the first. No, sorry, not the first, but it was Carbon Soul by Nightmares and Wax, and that's mostly an instrumental record. So I, I found myself in a scenario where I was suddenly had a radio show where I was pushing stuff I was passionate about all my life, but also contemporary stuff, you know. And it took me it took me a while to kind of get a handle. That, and that's where the show became mostly a contemporary music show where I was playing breaking stuff, I guess, that hadn't been played before. But I, I, I wasn't aware of it at the time, but the Nightmares and Wax record it was contemporaneous to the beginning of the show. And every night I found myself playing a track of it, so I wasn't even aware I was kind of... Uh, breaking a record for want of a better yeah, term. yeah and and so what was the music that you were passionate about growing up like i know that you're a big go-betweens fan yes i think i saw that on on social media when there was a documentary came out recently superb documentary yeah, yeah. I, I did watch it i think it was on your recommendation that um i watched it they're they're a band that i i only know like uh their big song um but they, they'd be one of the bands that you'd be passionate about who who, who else would we be uh talking about yeah, I well, my first huge, massive music passion was Madonna. Really? Totally and utterly. Yeah? The first two albums. Yeah? Yeah. Like, you remember her, like, from the very start? 
no, I would come in around like a virgin. So I I actually had like a virgin for about a couple of months before I was even aware that she had a previous album. Um, so I bought like a virgin first. I think I would have been eight or nine, and I was in Dublin for an all Ireland with my father, and I remember buying it on on Golden Discs, in on Grafton Street. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was the first cassette that I owned. It. Like I had a Walkman and I had copies of stuff, but that was the first one I bought with. And I'm sure I didn't have a disposable income money that I was given. Uh, what else growing up? Yeah, so like for years, you know, I've, you know, in the, during the 80s, yeah, Bruce Springsteen, massive into Bruce. Uh, when I was a kid, I was massive into, <laughs> might be funny, Brian Adams, Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, most of the stuff in the charts, like, you know, we loved uh, like Tiffany was at number one one week. Everyone was crazy about Tiffany. Well, the girls and me, <laughs> just the lads weren't into them at all. Uh, Belinda Carlisle, like being number one for a week, so you're into that. Uh, but then as I kind of, uh, supposed to, to cross over into indie stuff, there was a few bands like Guns N' Roses, which were a metal band, but popular, and Hottest Flowers, who had huge connections with West Kerry, because uh, they, they were huge, around 88, 89, and they were shooting videos back in West Kerry. And, but av- after that then came Pixies, Joy Division, Go Betweens, New Order, uh, Kitchens of Distinction, Sonic Youths, My Bloody Valentine. Cocktail twins. That's just like all coinciding with like being a teenager and stuff. It's just everything hits at the right time. Everything hits, but also there was, there was like I've spoken about this before, there was a, a crazy culture of people who were passionate about music in Dingle. And there was there were guys on the school bus a couple of years older than me. And every day, get on the school bus. On the, it was a 40-minute, no, it, was, it's, it should only take 40 minutes, but you take over an hour with stops to get to town. And... On the bus, everybody were sharing tapes. So you'd hear the guys at the back and they'd be talking about, uh, you know, I remember the first Aphex Twin album when he was Polygon Window, um, but also talking, you know, they'd have enjoyed in albums that you weren't even aware of that existed. And they kind of wouldn't give it to the younger, nerdier guys, but I don't know how I got in there. I wasn't part of the circle or any of the cool guys that smoked at the back of the shed or anything like that. But eventually they started giving me these tapes for overnight where you could just record him. And also a crucial thing for me, and there was, there was a guy called Gordon Brick growing up who had a massive, massive tape collection. And summer of 91, I think I was doing the inter, he left, he just said, I'm moving into Dingle from West, <laughs> from West to Dingle for the summer. You can have all my tapes because I know you look after them. Your eyes light up. Yeah, so he gave me his entire tape collection, and I I was working that summer, and within a week I'd bought a double, a brand new double deck. I had an old one, and recorded them all, every single one of them, and that's how I got to know the go betweens. A lot of the that's how I got into a lot of the acts, yeah. and a lot of them I didn't know where they were from or what year they'd recorded. If his cassette happened to be a copy, it wouldn't carry all that info, you know. And like, was Dingle uh, a, like a, a town that bands played? Like, did many bands come to town or anything like that? Nobody ever played Dingle. Dingle was a, back in back in the early nineties. It was a complete and utter trad and folk town. Uh, the kind of most out there it got was the blues. Maybe there might be a blues band, but also Cooney and Begley used to do shows in the Hillgrove Hotel on a Wednesday or Thursday night. I can't remember which. And they were like rock and roll stars back then. They used to, and there was an energy and wildness to them that I probably didn't appreciate as much as I do now looking back. But no, n- n- nobody used to really come playing Dingle. There was a brief period where a guy called Silvio Connor took over a pub in Ballyfurter and uh, turned it into the wildest spot uh, probably in the country. Like it was like an early, 
it was, it was probably the closest Ireland ever got to a Burgoyne. I'm not talking about it was, it was just a wildness in there. He like he, he used to have strippers. Uh, he had he had loads of rock bands. First of all, started with folk folk bands, but then he started bringing in like uh, what were they called? Damn you, Peter Pan! And they arrived. They were a Kilkenny band. They're an indie band. I remember they arrived down in West Kerry and they started sound checking during mass. The priest was given out because uh, he they didn't care. And I remember meeting them afterwards, and I had a poster, and I had a one of their tapes. They couldn't believe this kid in West Kerry had one of their... But besides that little window where he took over this pub for a couple of months in Ballyferter, and they got, he, he ended up uh, like ripping off loads of uh, beer companies because he was giving away the beer for nothing. And he's, the place used to be open all night long. Like he's, called it, he's advertising the paper, the pub, the pub with, with eight escape routes or no clock. So. Uh, that was the only time we ever had live acts. Something happens played on there as well on a Saturday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. What's your relationship with uh, Dingle now? Because I know you're living up in Galway at the moment, but you're down quite regularly DJing and stuff. And also, like, Other Voices has been in Dingle. Do you look at stuff like that and you're like, ah, you guys don't know how, how lucky you have it now? Oh, Dingle has transformed completely, yeah. It has. And it, t- it took me a year or two of, because I was still blinkered into what it was like, and I'd be down there, and it, and th- there was a th- there was a just this gradual. I probably other voices had a lot to do with it. I, you'd need some kind of cultural uh, historian maybe to understand what exactly happened down there. But there's a lot of young people living down there. There's a lot of really good pubs, which uh, back rooms that you can put on gigs in. I've started playing down there a lot more regularly in the last couple of years, maybe three, four, five times a year. Nobody really does residencies anymore, and residencies used to be playing either every week or every second week and getting to know your crowd. But down in Dingle, I have a crowd of people that come along to all the gigs. I know some of them. A lot of them are 20, 25 years younger than me. I've spoken to some of them. I know some of their names and faces, and it's the closest in recent years I've come to having such a really warm connection with a crowd like when i see them coming in my just my heart lights up because they're so open-minded they'll dance to disco they'll dance to techno uh if i throw in a curveball they'll go with it even though some of them have told me like that they're into side trance or they're into drum and bass or whatnot but they get it like you know um so going down playing to them is i look forward to those gigs so much the whole town has changed uh you know there's young people down there who've opened cool shops and coffee shops thinking of being in dingle for example uh, it's 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 an amazing town. It's completely different from how it was 25 years ago when I left. And and just kind of like continuing your your journey through music up to 20 years of Untave uh, Tuhal. Uh, we were talking just before we started recording that you went to see Nirvana as well in uh, in Dublin in 92. Was that? Uh, you're right. Yeah, I think it was 92. Yeah, they played. Think 92 or three. They played the point. Yeah, they played the previous couple of months before that, late September, the previous summer. They played the Top Hat in Dunleary and Sir Henry's in Cork. But I didn't know who they were. I wanted to go and see Sonic Youth, but my mum wouldn't let me. And uh, Had tickets to Sir Henry's, like... I just couldn't go. She wouldn't let me go, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I was 16 or whatever. And so the following summer, they ca- yeah, Nevermind came out a week later, or a month later, they blew up big style. You couldn't escape, Nevermind, it was everywhere. Um, and the following summer they played, early summer they played Dublin and the Breeders and Teenage Fan Club supported. And their last three songs actually, uh, like it was an amazing gig obviously, but they, when they came back for the encore, they did the first three tracks and never mind, they did Teen Spirit, In Bloom and Come As You Are. 
That's amazing that you can remember that. <laughs> I'm that. a music nerd. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. uh, that's like one of those things. Getting to see Nirvana, that's uh, m- major points there. And the Pixies, the previous year, yeah, yeah, which wow. with the original lineup with Kim Deal, and but they had the days, the the day Nirvana played Dublin, the Breeders were doing a signing in Comet Records, so I went along and I met Kim Deal and Kelly Deal, and bought a, it was my first CD. I bought a Breeders. Uh, safari ep because i didn't have a cd player and i don't know why i didn't buy it on vinyl it was mostly tapes and i had growing up and they signed it yeah i still have it at home i've put it up on social media a couple of times and people sick of seeing it <laughs> uh yeah and i was wearing a georgian t-shirt and kim signed the cd to and my guy and joy wow do you, do you have a favorite um album or ep by the breeders but by anybody like a favorite like number one favorite album of all time am i putting you on the spot there on the, no i i guess i mean it's 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 sometimes it's loveless by my valentine and sometimes it's unknown pleasures by georgian i have equal grow for both of them and huge respect and and so like quite like uh for lack of a better word like indie guitar type music i mean where does like the the other side of it come from like you know I think of Untave Two Hill now, and it's like, is it six nights? Five, five nights, yeah. Five nights. Yeah, and, and it's like the way that it moves from kind of the softer, darker, slower stuff on a Monday night to like proper banging dance tunes come Thursday and Friday night. I mean, where does the dance side of things come into it for you and your discovery of music? Does it go back to like uh, Aphex Twin getting getting that copy of Window Liquor like back in 93 or something? No, uh, well, yeah, I suppose there the, the, there were there were some of those cassettes that were doing the rounds on the bus were were tuning my ear slowly to I suppose th- those kind of rhythms but I didn't re I didn't re- I I hate electronic music when I was a kid like you know I was just sort of you were an indicator you were into dance music one or the other and I was an indicator definitely uh, all the way up to remember even in college there was a couple of guys who used to like wear like rave clobber coming along to lectures and uh, you know they basically dressed like they were in the prodigy and we used to kind of look at them and I used to be fascinated and I was going and I started going to some of those nights just out of pure curiosity on my own I remember uh, hearing like Futures on the London and stuff like that for the first time there'd be kind of certain tracks that would just to a lay person going into those environments that would click with you when did I really get into it it's really kind of like I got into funk and soul even before I got into house music but I did get into house music eventually. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you who it was. I suppose I just started going to club nights and by osmosis, the whole thing kind of sunk in and clicked. Like techno took me a long time to get into. I just I found it very abrasive and I didn't get it. But I knew that it was really important because all these people who were heavily into music that I admired got it. And I was just waiting to hear what it was that unlocked the key. And really, is, it's hearing it on a massive sound system where you can hear all the inter- intricacies of the tunes yeah that that's what i was gonna say like would uh, would techno be something that you'd actually put on at home <laughs> like is it just built for the club it's built just for the club but i lo- i'd listen to techno any time of yeah. the day i absolutely love it yeah i don't actually play it out as much as i used to you know i don't actually play that much techno out anymore but i do listen to it a lot i suppose me i don't know i, f- I feel it uh, i can isolate certain you can go in some you know especially if you're doing small pub gigs like you know it just can sound a little bit out of place yeah and and when did the um djing come into it like uh, away from the radio djing did that come after you had a slot on the radio that you started getting into um actually like getting out there 
yourself or was that something that you've done be- before on day of no i did it in school i did school discos i did youth club discos all in cassettes just two oh. cassettes how, how is djing with cassettes compare uh, um <laughs> well there's no mixing obviously or anything you just line have one lined up for the next time and it's just like 10 seconds of like rewinding a yeah, tape exactly, getting it right, yeah, <laughs> yeah and then when i was in college i did indie nights in salt hill but again i was just playing tunes with you know no mixing like that or anything like that even when i started doing funk and soul nights after that 110th street would have been i couldn't mix for you know i didn't even try i didn't even know how to do it but after that then i kind of had to learn i think it was one night playing i was playing it i always said i thought and the crowd seemed to think good records that everybody got into i remember one night in rero some guy came up to me and he just said to me i think it was english Rero just down in Dublin and he said man your tunes are absolutely amazing I said thank you thank you so it was a great night I said thank you thank you but mate one one favor you should do yourself he said is learn to mix and I said okay and then yeah I decided I think I met Cyril Briscoe who I do 110 did 110th with for years and I think w- w- look he taught me a lot of stuff about teaching technical stuff but also amazing tips that you only get through experiencing di- playing to different crowds but he did slowly and surely <laughs> teach me how to mix two records together <laughs> was it uh, it was Galway you went to college yeah I went to college was, in Galway w- yeah. was that kind of a culture shock slash like a great learning curve like it must have been completely different to Dingle a great music city I'm it presuming. was yeah, a lot a lot of people a lot of people went to Galway at the time we used to just leave West Kerry and go straight to Galway and never came back and I was ended up being one of them but when I moved to Galway first, clubbing was massive in the city. Like it was, uh, it was massive with with students and during the week, not so much of the weekends. There was still stuff on, but when I, I caught the tail end of what was the Salt Hill era before everything moved into town, so everything used to be out in Salt Hill. And uh, so this was like ninety three, ninety four, and it's kind of faded off after that. So on any given night, there was maybe five or six, seven different club nights on being run by different students so you could go to a reggae night maybe one or two indie nights a house night like a reggae night does anyone do reggae nights anymore uh funk soul rare groove uh and i can remember i still have some of the old flyers at home nights called toothpaste sex kitchen psychedelia was one big night for me which is an indie night on the thursday nights uh brilliant dj called dara purcell uh used to play there so there was so much going on, and I used to go out pretty much every night, even though I was always up next morning and I was in at my lectures. Yeah, um, there, there was uh, that great article about clubbing in the Irish Times about uh, nine months ago, I guess, and it was really surprising reading about Galway. I think it was around that time, like all these clubs, but they'd have to stop in the middle of the night to serve dinner or something Just like that. Just a little bit later than that, Sunil Sharp was talking about it recently. We've got licensing law straight out of Father Ted. And they decided to, they decided to, there was some old rule where you had to, there were old dinner licenses or something like that, or where you had to serve food that was part of it. And that faded out and clubs became what clubs were without any proper licensing where they had to, suddenly some guy came in and decided you've got to enforce this rule. So the lights used to go up for 30, 45 minutes. And, and the music would stop. Music would stop. Yeah. The, the whole lights came up in the club and chips and curry and nobody ate it like obviously and the famous night in Galway that everybody talks about I was at it was when Fatboy Slim played and it ha- happened in the middle of his set in Salt Hill was it no or? it was in GPO in Galway on oh, a Saturday okay. night and Fatboy Slim's banging it out big beat is huge he's like one of the biggest DJs on the scene 
the boutique bright and all that and then uh he stopped <laughs> yeah the lights came up he's like you know like did he know gesticulating i think he did but he was a showman and gesticulating it's so, so weird isn't it yeah and I, uh, the only other thing i remember from that night clearly was his last tune was some, was it his own remix of bittersweet symphony by the verve or there was a big beat version of it going around and that was the first time we all heard that Wow. But is that the same in clubs all over Ireland? Like, I mean... No, it was just a couple of weeks in Galway. Just a just couple of weeks. Oh, really? That's all. Yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah. And then they decided they lacked the... <laughs> no one's not the chips, guys. Against. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there was a lot of wasted spuds. <laughs> that's, that's a bizarre, like, couple of weeks in Galway. It's like blinking, you miss it. If you head away, you're like... Yeah, what was I know. Happening? Did it really happen? It must have. <laughs> um, like, what, did you go to uh, Sir Henry's as well? Do you have yes. any, any stories from from back then? I, I The reason I went to Henry's was because... I, I mean, Greg and Shane were doing Saturday Nights in there, which everybody knew about. And did, yeah. did you see it as kind of the mecca as well? Sir? No, because I wasn't into dance music. I just knew they were doing... They were playing a kind of music that I would have described as rave music, which I think... You know, I don't think it was a proper house night at the beginning. They used to play a lot of different kind of stuff. As did a lot of the DJs at the time in uh, in the Hacienda and whatnot, because there was only a limited amount of records. Uh, but I used to go down to the Friday Night Indie Club. My uncle lived down in Cork, and he used to sneak me in because I was underage. He's with me, by he's all right. Like he'd go like that, you know. Um, and the feeling, the really like you'd, you'd queue. There was a queue going down the road, especially on the Saturday night, and all these buses arriving from Waterford and Limerick and whatnot. Uh, so you'd have to be you'd have to be in the door before ten, like so you get in the queue at half nine or earlier, and uh, yeah, getting like the feeling when the bunch is just nodded and let you in, like, and you're up those stairs. I'm sure everybody in Cork who was at those nights will tell you about it. The relief. So that was like you were just going to have a great night anyway because they got into the club. But uh, I did, you used to go to the Friday night indie nights, which I think were called Panic. And they used to have a little fanzine lying around and you you read, oh, tonight we're going to be playing the new Sugar Cube single and it's called Hit. And oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing that. You read about it like in a little fanzine scattered around the club. I didn't know that, that there was fanzines and this is what you'd be hearing on the night. Yeah, That's really exactly. great. I know. Yeah. So, so so I suppose it'd be like an early version of social media now if somebody was bigging something up. And also then like some of the, you go in on the Saturday night and uh, if you got in and yeah, so the, the, the Greg and Shane were doing the, the main room. I, Pretty, uh, I don't know if Stevie was doing the back room when I got in there first, but he would have been later on. And I just remember not kind of getting the, the, the tunes, but being electrified by the vibe. I didn't know anything about ecstasy or pills. I didn't know everybody was pretty much on them. But uh, what I used to find fascinating as well as watching the girls coming in all wearing tracksuits. And then they'd go straight up the stairs, like without going into the club. And then they'd peel off to whatever they were wearing, which would be kind of like, you know, rave clobber swimwear type stuff and all the lads would be coming in with all the kind of Vicks gear and the, the, the boiler suits it was hot in there like it was hot in there and the whistling just a whistling gone off left right and centre like you know and this is like a, you know quarter past ten at night like you know with another four hours yet to go well he's finished at two on the dot and I saw, I remember being electrified by that whole thing and it's true the, wa- the water the sweat used to come down off the roof I think the thing that has changed is say going to the to the club and hearing songs for the first time and being told that you're going to hear something for the first time as something that definitely doesn't exist anymore I don't think because everybody has like all of the music on their phones and uh it's almost the exception rather than the norm that they're going to hear like uh what they want to hear 
Yeah, and you touched on a good point because if, uh, the, the, the thing, I remember, say, 020304, we used to play in the GPO in Galway on a Saturday, every second Saturday, and we were really pushing what was Electro Clash at the time. And what were the early DFA records, uh, the first LCD sound system, the Rapture, all that kind of stuff, Chuck, 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 on Warp, I think. But they, they weren't available yet on CD. They were only available on vinyl. So, and YouTube, the internet was there, but it wasn't like this amazing catalogue of music yet. And there was no streaming or Spotify or anything. So to hear those tunes, you had to come into the club on a Saturday night because there weren't, a, unless you had a record player and you bought vinyl, that was the only other way you could have heard them during the week. So we were able to kind of, like people used to come into us and go, I remember like, uh, I don't know, think of a track like everyone knows it now, and it's regarded probably as cheesy as Drop the Pressure by Milo. I remember playing that for weeks and nobody getting it, and then eventually just everybody in the club going mental to it. And some girl just kept coming in every night and she got, will you play the electricity song? Will you play the electricity song? I didn't know what she was talking about. Like, she was to give me the thumbs up one night in the middle of Drop the Pressure. So that was like, nobody knew some of it. Didn't even know what the tracks were called or who, who they were by. Some of them, obviously, the some of the nerdier kids did. So there was a touch that they had to go to the club to hear the track. Yeah. Is, is that something that you still find like the most special thing is when you do kind of surprise someone or you can see that a track is really connected with someone, whether it be in the club or like on the radio show, you get tweets or whatever asking like what this song was. Is, yeah, is that like the thing yeah, that you enjoy the most? It is, but I think you more so see it in the clubs and you see it in somebody's faces. Uh, I see it like I, what I love, to, I love to see, and I hadn't seen this in a while now DJing, but maybe I hadn't been out DJing in clubs often enough was uh, just seeing people with their eyes closed in the dance floor. Like, and that's lost in the moment. That to me is just better than somebody whistling or punching the air or going mental. Just seeing a smile on their faces, the eyes closed. And I know, you know, that they're feeling safe. They're loving whatever they're hearing so much that they have to close their eyes to appreciate it. So you said that you stopped going clubbing recently or you're not doing it as much? Yeah, I just don't. Do, yeah, I mean, I've like between uh, between the ages of probably eight, 16, 17, 18 to 35, 36, 37, I would have been clubs either playing in them every weekend or out and maybe out two or three times a week, maybe more. So now I just, I, I have so much other stuff to do and so much work to do and I just uh, just need to keep on top of things. I couldn't possibly go out that often. So I just pick my nights. I pick my, like very often, the last couple of years, uh, me and my other half, we go off to Manchester for weekends or something. And we used to go to Berlin for years, uh, London for a long time. Uh, nights out in Dublin, like I probably go out in Dublin more often than I do in Galway. The kind of only nights I end up going out and going are when I'm playing for some reason, yeah. We talked about your relationship with Dingle earlier. Like, what's your relationship with Galway? I mean, do you think it's still a great music city or has it kind of been, kind of changed a little bit in recent years? Like, I, I always enjoy when I go up there, but it's a very small window of time that I'm actually there. And it's like the same kind of places like Throaching Dove and uh, yeah, a couple of the bars the around there. Dove, I, I think people just take it for granted. Like, what so it's like to be able to stay open, like, all the time and, like, get so many great bands coming through. Like, every week don't take they've it for got granted. a sterling lineup yeah just people do take it for granted and they shouldn't because what the Russian Dove have been doing for the last couple of years a long time over a decade since Googie especially got in there uh, before that before the uh, Russian Dove was always a brilliant pub but you'd just get one or two gigs a year where you'd really want to go to it like and again it would be somebody you wouldn't be create like Towns Van Zandt play there 
and uh, we only knew him through a Tinder 6 cover version but it kind of felt to us like the Tinder 6 were almost playing there so we went along just to see him because of that but there were scarce gigs back then yeah and so the Ocean Dove is I think a little bit taken for granted and but they're consistently putting on amazing stuff and uh, Galway as a music city there's there's a load of young excellent passionate DJs around there's loads of uh, people who are heavily into their music like you know um, started making music some of them have had to leave city to try and forge a career or whatnot and uh, there's nights on in places like electric um, i'm just a little bit older than the than the punter that goes in there so i wouldn't be able to comment on what they're like but i do see the lineups and um, and they you know there's they they're they're impressive like they they place they play people before they kind of break everywhere else also then i see like a midweek stuff still going on with the students where like brahim and hamo were playing the other night the sligo boys I just happened to see a poster they're on tonight and then I know there's been young lads running nights in Monroe's during the week on Thursday nights where it's just been absolutely jammed and I've heard c- completely gone off uh, like I don't know Dennis Sultan people like that would have played there over the years so I wouldn't be the best because I'm not regularly gone out I'd hate to comment but I hear I hear good things I hear good things yeah, yeah. And then, like, one of the biggest nights of the year uh, in music, it seems anyway, is the Community Scratch Games, which takes place over Easter. So that's coming up yeah. as well. So that'll be a, a big one. I think that's in the beer house in Galway that that takes Yeah, and, you know, there'd be so much more going on, Owen, if, if A, we had more venues, and B, we had more time. Wow. They're the two things that are missing. And, and like everywhere else, we, we just don't have the venues. Uh. Yeah, that, yeah, that seems to be the thing that kind of comes back. I don't, I don't know if I see it changing anytime soon um but but coming back to Untev Tuhal did it kind of grow after those first few years like after the rules kind of loosened up a little bit did you kind of uh relax into it a little bit more and kind of uh make it your own like really make it your own I think so yeah I think if a point there different things happened was uh the internet the internet came along so initially I found that uh yeah, the, the the pros the pros were that I was able to use the internet to spread the word, and people can listen online anywhere in the world. But the cons were that you were up against so much more competing versions of entertainment, I guess, than you had previously been. Because before, like you know, if you were a kid growing up in the eighties and early nineties, it was just Dave Fanning on the radio at night, and you lived for that. And after that, Donald Deneen and John Kelly. And there was pretty much nowhere else the odd TV show that you could maybe check out tunes on. And then suddenly you had the whole world, you know, you could Beats in Space or, um, you know, you've got stuff like NTS now and DDR in Dublin. So much stuff that you can tap into. There's so much competition out there. Did you have favorite DJs that you that kind of inspired you? Like maybe in the earlier days or when you were going up, like was it just those guys that you mentioned, like Dave Fanning and yeah, I mean Dave Fanning was the only. D- we were all aware of John Peel. You'd hear the odd radio show being recorded that somebody had, but you're just aware of his legend more than anything else. And I kind of only gotten to know John Peel. Like I never really heard him much, but he's an absolute massive hero of mine because of what he did, and I've read all the the books and the biographies and and whatnot. Dave Fanning would have been the closest thing we had in Ireland, but I think the difference was, like, Don Deneen would have come along post-No Disco and done Here Comes the Night, and he just did something really, really simple, but it hadn't been done before in radio, is he... Dave Fanning used to just play the singles off the albums, the big track. If he played a... If he played a Georgian track, it was Level Tears Part, or Transmission, or Atmosphere, maybe, like... 
But Deneen started playing B-sides and the, the oddities and the, the kind of, uh, the digging deep stuff. And stuff that we were all maybe, some of we were familiar with, but just hadn't been played on the radio. And so that was a, a slight, that was a bit of a game changer, yeah, where you just went, okay, you can play anything. It seems really simple, but somebody, I, I hadn't heard it done on Irish radio before that. That was kind of like an eye-opening experience for you. Yeah, and so Untiftul would have started only two years after that, but it was definitely in my head that, okay, I can play barring stuff in English. I can tap into any part of my collection, and it can be a B-side or an old 70s track, or it doesn't have to be a, an anthem or a key track. And and that seems to be something that you've only kind of gone further into over the years as well. Like even recently, like um, like Moot Tapes is a relatively new label in Kilkenny. That's Peter Lawler of Replete is behind that. And he's put out some really, really good stuff. Like I think that you played all four of the latest of the tracks on the latest release on one show recently. On two shows. Yeah, I did. Yeah. There's not many shows where that's going to happen, is it? Yeah. Is and it's there? a shame. I mean, it's it's a shame for for labels for, you know, you, you if you're making music there's less places to share well there's less opportunities to share it around through the old school media let's say like uh the radio being the prime example we're talking about but also newspapers like the irish times recently only a couple of days ago announced that they weren't they were letting go a lot of their key writers um so you know if you're a band and you make you're making a record and you need exposure and one of the things you need is the irish times to give you an album review whether it's good or bad and to have that taken away and to have more and more radio shows, you know, like I, I'm, I'm almost feel like I'm the last of a breed on the national airwaves. Yeah, that once because I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overlooking. I know there's people. Dan Hegarty does a certain thing on two on two FM, um, and there's guys in lyric all doing very and girls doing very very interesting stuff. They're, I'm talking national now, but once like you know to have someone like Dave Fanning that Deneen did for years that I've been allowed to do for the last 20 years once that's taken away will there be somebody else allowed to do it you know the goalposts seem to have changed big time do, do you kind of see yourself as like uh, like helping these artists get exposure like is that kind of like your number one goal kind of like showcasing this music to people there's a huge element of you know like I'd say I get sent like five to six hundred tracks a week so it's a yeah. mind boggling. It's a mind boggling, yeah, and you can't go through it all. So my, my way, I, I prioritize certain stuff. There's certain labels and uh, people pushing plug-in promos that I trust, so I prioritize those. But I always try and listen to the Irish stuff because uh, I might, uh, I, well, I just know how hard it is for people to get their music out there. So, yeah, I, and certain people, and uh, apologi- apologies to anybody who's listening, uh, there's certain emails that I haven't even got, or, never get around to replying to, or forget about or they end up my junk mail and they might have sent me an album and I never got around to hearing it. But yeah, I do feel there's a part of me that needs to help uh, give a platform to, to, to true national radio to these artists and labels. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what you're going to be doing with your um, birthday shows, anniversary shows as well, May 1st, 2nd and 3rd. Uh, you're going to be showcasing like unreleased, un like previously unplayed tracks across the show yeah so when the notion about a year 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 and a bit ago i thought what am i going to do for the 20th birthday show that's different that's unique and i was trying to think of what the radio show was and what it has become and one of the things it was before the internet era uh was djs used to get sent 
promos that were available nowhere else and had them we were like lucky guys and girls to have them months weeks months before anybody else got to hear them so we got to break them on the airwaves but now everybody you know things leak and everybody gets to hear stuff at the same time so it's a level playing field but i thought what if i could go go back and repeat that vibe on the radio show where you're going to turn on the show that night there's no way you've ever heard any of the tracks before i said how can i do that and i said i thought okay maybe if i approach artists who i've admired or who i've helped break over the years break I wouldn't be the only person playing them, but uh, that we might have associations with the show or whatnot. So I, some of them maybe the last couple of years and some of them gone back close to 20 years. So I, about a year, year and a half ago, I started just asking people, would you be up for, for providing an exclusive track? And exclusive means not available anywhere else outside of your own studio. And the only person who might have heard it would have been whoever was in that studio. So I thought, okay, if I get a show out of this, it'd be really interesting. It'd be quite good. But I've got, I think I'll have probably two shows out of it now. Overwhelming response. Uh, d- delighted to hear people compose music specifically for the for that that they, there was no other reason for them to compose it except for the for the show. Some of them actually, you know, mention radio in the songs and whatnot, and experiences being played on the radio and stuff like that. So there's a combination of like folk, techno, uh, weird weird stuff from abroad and from home. Uh, and I think, so for those two nights, the first and second of May, it'll be like 1999 all over again, in that you might have, you won't, there's no way that people would have heard the tracks because I'm, I'm not going to leak them. <laughs> um, like I, I was going to ask, like, is it almost all uh, exclusively from Ireland that music is? But obviously there's some tracks from abroad as well. But do you think that Irish music is like enjoying rich vein now that like the creativity is just completely being let loose and everyone is doing like everything? Sort of things like there's no there's no rules i I was was just messaging somebody about this this morning on instagram yeah it's undoubtedly a golden era there's never been anything like it um you i just can't keep up you know you you were talking about artists earlier i hadn't heard of and what surprises me about it all is it's all obviously coming from a very creative passionate place because people aren't able to make eco living in existence they can't you know they've all got to do other jobs and suddenly we're we're, we're, we're like week after week we're being hit by uh, different genre type stuff from irish artists that are as good if not better than what's being made in other countries there was a couple of years where i always thought that we were just copying other countries you know if you want to do an irish music show yeah let's let's stick on these guys because they're irish and we want to give them a hand or whatever like, not me now <laughs> but there was an element of that when people did irish shows on their channels but now it's like no you know these guys are like you know uh and girls are you're they're 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 just so far out there and so creative I don't even know where it's coming from. I think historians will explain it better in a couple of years. Which is kind of so disappointing that like the outlets just aren't there as well for them. You know, like you wish that they could go on to bigger and better things, but it's so it's, it feels so uh, limiting in a way, doesn't it? I mean, the the outlets are kind of there in some ways. Like if you have good social media and and you know you can share stuff, but you're if, not if you make... get on a certain Spotify playlist, yeah, which is kind of, of like I don't know. It's it's not quite as magical as 
Now on Spotify, like it's, I can see all the cons. It really is. Like I, I love it as a as a consumer of music. But if I was a maker of music and getting paid absolute pittance for having my music there, it, it it's a travesty for those people. But I do I do quite like <laughs> yeah, Spotify, yeah, and yeah. I do quite like sharing some music on Spotify. But you know, one of the things that uh, I've been thinking thinking about the show and talking to people about it, and uh, the twenty years for me is a voyage of discovery. That's the kind of vibe I've pinpointed it down to discovery meaning it was a real discovery for me finding all these all these tracks and 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 amazing artists and musicians and for other people to have discovered the show and discovered the artist through them and i think it was also it was not just the new stuff which the show has always been about but i think when when the internet kind of came along and it was more of a level playing field in terms of exposure I think a lot of us started digging deeper, but we also started being exposed to like uh, music from other eras that mightn't have been on our radar. So on Tave Tuchel in the last couple of years, it would be a lot about breaking for me or playing stuff for the first time that I never heard before from different eras, from the 60s, 70s and 80s. Um, you know, there's a whole kind of culture of finding all these long lost records from the 80s on, Re- on Revenge International and Freedom to Spend, labels like this. I would never have heard these artists, and so they're br- and they're being remastered, and you can't even tell what era they're from. So yeah, it's a lot of mi- it's been a, a voyage of discovery, old of music, old and new. And you must have turned some people back onto Irish itself as well, right? Has, has anyone ever said like, oh, I got back into like learning Irish because oh, I was listening to Untaved Tool? You get a maybe one email a month, really, of somebody wow. saying that. Yeah, yeah, and it's so nice because I always think, you know, you know the 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 kind of common. Uh, argument against Irish you'd hear from people was beaten into us by the Christian brothers so I always thought growing up even growing up I always thought yeah the way to make somebody appreciate this beautiful language of ours is not to hit them over the head with it just to let them hear it naturally and you know a lot of people came to Kerry and still go to Kerry and hear it and Connemara and spend some time there and hear people just talking cursing in Irish falling in love in Irish whatever uh, talking about albums in broken Irish whatnot that's when they fall in love with it and that, and so I think a lot of people when they tuned into the show were tuned in for the music I keep the talk to a minimum I don't really bang on too much I pretty much say the same stuff regularly because I'm aware that a lot of people aren't don't speak the lingo but uh, it, it is it has been a gateway for people into the, into the language and I think it's because it's subtly done as opposed to <laughs> violently and brutally <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a favourite night of the week? Uh, I've done the, the shows, shows, is it? Yeah, putting them together. I like. love putting them all together. Yeah. yeah, I go through different moods. Yeah, every every time I hear that someone is a fan of Untaved Tool, I want to know like their favorite day of the week. Uh, their favorite of the week. Yeah. I love the people who love it all. They're yeah. the, very interesting. Um, but yeah, some people just listen to the dance stuff, and some. But you know what I love is when somebody ha- got into the show through either the Monday Tuesday shows or the Thursday Friday and didn't like the other part of the week, but then decided just or fell in love with the other part of the week yeah that's yeah. quite interesting yeah <laughs> so you you obviously still enjoy doing it by love the sounds it, of it love yeah it. yeah i've no uh like i don't know i don't know what i do without it yeah because i've just such uh, i really like i've, I've uh, barring besides being bonkers about music and thinking about it and listening to it all the time i just really have a a huge compulsion to share it with everybody and th- that's the most beautiful thing about the show is being able to do that that's the raison d'etre of the show but also of, my, of me there's nothing else that 
that defines me more, I think, than that radio show of 20 years of my life. Great. Well, I think that that's uh, as much as we can kind of get done in an hour trying to cover it. So I guess we'll leave it there. And uh, congratulations on 20 years of Untaped Tool, like no mean feat, keeping anything going for 20 years. So congratulations on that and enjoy your birthday shows. Enjoy uh, the live show in Unroshin Dove um, on May 1st and uh, talk to you maybe on the 40th anniversary. Fantastic. <laughs> 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 <laughs>